0: Hey, it's Andrea. Today, we redefine the idea of disabilities. I geek out about the world of sign language, and we ask the question, how much simpler would the world be if our genitals could speak for us? Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host Charisse. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, today we're talking Season 2, Episode
0: 5, Loud as a Whisper. This episode was written by Jacqueline Zambrano, directed by Larry Shaw, and the star date is 42477.2. The Enterprise is set to take aboard Riva, played by Howie Segoe. Riva is a renowned and successful negotiator to help to resolve a centuries-old war between two tribes on a planet Solaris V. Riva is deaf and mute due to a hereditary genetic deficiency, but travels with a chorus, an entourage of three people in telepathic communication with him who are able to enunciate his thoughts. When Riva, his chorus, and several Enterprise officers beam down for the meeting, a tribal delegate fires upon them, killing the chorus. The tribe's leader immediately brands him a traitor and executes the killer, begging for the talks to continue. But the away team has already begun emergency transport back to the Enterprise amid the chaos. So we're going to have to see what goes down after that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, okay. My overall thoughts, and then I would love to hear yours, Andrea. Um, I thought this episode was so interesting. Like the concept mm-hmm. of of being deaf and then having three people to telepathically translate for you was fascinating. Yeah. It also explored the realm of... Um, disabilities or different abilities in this episode because mm-hmm. they talked about Jordy and his visor and like how he feels about that. Yeah. So we get into that. And I just thought I thought this episode was very interesting. And for that reason, I thought it was really good. Like the whole time I was like, huh, what would that be like? And what would that be like? So that's kind of my overall thought. This didn't feel this felt season two to me. What about you? Yes, it
0: definitely felt more season two than last week's episode. The Outrageous Okano. Um, it's not like cheesy and, like, just playing for laughs, Um, it really, it really um, touched on some, like, heavier subjects and topics. So I didn't love this episode. Um, It, like, it didn't kind of light up my light bulb for, like, all the Mm -hmm. fantastic things I love about Star Trek, Mm -hmm. but... I really didn't dislike it either. Like I, I liked it. I did like it. And it, it really hit on some like really cool stuff. But, and as my, as myself, a student of American sign language, mm-hmm. I loved watching this man sign. So I have a little trivia on the actor, Howie Segoe, who plays Riva,
1: is deaf in real life, which does not always oh. happen in casting. That is, yeah. I, lo- I love it when they actually pick Deaf actors to promote them in roles. Uh,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So they they usually select um, an actor who's going to play a deaf person or a deaf mute person, and that ha- there has been some backlash on that mm-hmm. because there are a lot of deaf actors who are like, "Hey, we kind of fit that
1: bill." Yeah, why didn't you just cast me in that role? It's like casting all those white people as as Klingons when the Klingons are clearly brown skinned, and you're just like, "Are there no black?" Extras in all of Hollywood? <laughs> you absolutely read my mind. So Howie Segoe is
0: deaf in real life and approached the show's producers with an idea of a deaf mediator. And the initial idea came from his wife, who's a fan of Star Trek. So she's like, oh, they, sh- they should do a story about something like this. Mm-hmm. The writers originally wanted Segoe's character to learn to speak after the chorus is killed. But Howie Seago was, like, vehemently opposed to the idea as it could keep perpetuating that, like... Speaking is better. ...dangerous practice, Mm -hmm. yeah, of forcing deaf children to speak, which is not, you know, that, that is how it's like forcing right. left-handed people to write right-handed, right, forcing right. deaf people to learn how to speak. It's like, that is not effective way of communication. And it
1: really like harms the community. Yeah. Right? I think it because does. I, I was taking, I know you've taken a lot of sign. I've, I've taken a little sign myself and just learning the history of sign and learning that to say that you have to learn how to speak makes it sound like signing is bad or wrong that yes. you need to mix in with the majority and or worse. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah, or worse, or lesser than, or something. And I do love how in this episode, instead of Riva being the one who learns to speak, it's the people he is um, trying to um, negotiate between that learn to sign. It's like, Agreed. how about you learn my language? So that's, you're going to have to learn how to communicate in a better way. I thought that was yes. really, and now hearing, hearing this, what you're saying now, I'm like, ah, oh, wow. That was a really brilliant twist.
0: Yes. And I'm really, really happy that the producers were so understanding of his concerns that they went back and wrote like a whole new draft to that ending because yeah, it's not about quote unquote fixing Riva. He's mm-hmm. just fine the way he is. Like he's been able to live just fine. And, and now it's like others responsibility to, to like work with like his skills. So, all right. So the crew arrives at Ramada three and Riker and Picard are puzzling over this planetary orbit problem that Picard's trying to solve in the ready room. Mm -hmm. And I really liked seeing that little bit of the interaction because we're seeing that kind of like rough, brusque edge, like sort of soften a little bit off of Picard. Like he's Mm -hmm. interacting a bit more with his crew. And I feel like it's a little bit representative as well as um, of Patrick Stewart. Softening towards the crew as well, because we've talked about mm-hmm. the fact,
1: perhaps off mic, yeah. But how how he was a very serious actor. <laughs> yes, it was actually uh, Denise Crosby who played Yar from season one, who was the one he credits, at least in all the the backroom you know con discussions I've watched. He credits her with teaching him that acting can be fun. And he didn't learn that until like, you know, end of season one, like, oh, that it it doesn't just have to be something serious that you work really hard at, but it can be something serious you work really hard at and have a great time. So I think you're absolutely right, Andrea. Maybe Patrick Stewart is starting to soften up as we start season two and saying, hey, like I can kind of have fun with this. I can have fun with my crew and have fun with the dialogue. And, you know, I don't have to be such a stiff shirt. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I like that. I like that little softening that we see. Um, and,
0: and I love that we continue to see that he just gets kind of softer and, and like, yeah. you know, he's never, he's never a pile of mush, you know, but no. he's not so unapproachable anymore. Right. Anyway. Right. So they're like, okay, we need to beam this delegate over, or we need to, sorry, we need to beam down to the planet. And they had to transport a room five. I was like, Oh, look <laughs> at that. Look at that. I'm really like trying to keep track of these. Cause I was like, man, y'all have like 20, Plus transporter rooms in this enterprise, and you only go to like one, two, or three. So anyway, transporter room five was there. So Picard, Troy, and Worf boomed down to the planet for the ceremonial greeting. And that first interaction with Riva is very awkward. Because so
1: Riva oh. comes out first
0: and no, says and nothing. Say
1: yes. And they're like, um, hello. And he just walks up to them and like <laughs> stares them down for a few yes. seconds one at a time and then walks away from them. Yes. He, he stands on a pedestal. He back to them. And then as they're like, okay, I guess we should walk to him then because he just walked away from us. As soon as they take a step, he's like, stop. You know, he puts his hand up to be like, stop, don't move further. And you're like, what is going on right now? Yes. Yes. I thought this is a
0: terrible choice for people who can't understand you and don't know your like customs. Have your chorus come out first. Or come out with your chorus. Yes. Yes. Or something like kind of prompt them a little bit. And be like, we're going to front load this situation and kind of give you a heads up on what's going on before you walk in or just after you beam down and be like, so here's the deal. Reva is deaf mute. He can read your lips, but we're telepathically connected to him. So we speak for him, but you still speak to him directly. You don't speak to us. You know you just basically cleared the room to not have those gaffes that like Picard started talking to the chorus members. And Reva got... All in his face, yeah. Yeah, you got super pissed, and he's like, "Don't
1: speak to them." And
0: you're like, "How would you know that? How would he know that? How would anyone know that?" And Picard graciously, like, Mm -hmm. thankfully, knows how to sort of smooth that over, and he says, "Like, we're not familiar with their customs. Any, any, like, impropriety was was
1: not meant, not meant,
0: right?" So it's like, okay, but listen, Reva, that's on you. You're being a bad host.
1: One hundred percent.
0: Yeah, you need to.
1: You need to preempt
0: this issue. Yeah,
1: I feel like Riva's kind of arrogant for most of this episode. And this, this opening scene kind of shows it, right? Like, I don't have to say anything to you. I don't have to prompt you with anything. You need to figure me out. And I'm, you know, I'm just going to leave that on you. And then I'm going to get mad if you don't figure me out. So anyways, he's standing on this pedestal and he's like, so they walk closer and he's like, no. And so they stop and they're like, what the F is going on? And then the three, (laughs) the chorus comes out. And then the first thing that the woman of the course says is step closer, which is exactly what they were just doing like two seconds ago before you came out. <laughs> so they're like, okay, so it's t- a total power play. We actually do yeah. want you closer, but not until we say you can step closer. Yes. And it's like, yes. you know what people like this, this, these, this planet, these people are dying. Can we go like, get a move on with this? Like all this is just taking up taking up time. We don't need to take up. So get over yourself. They kind of talk. We find out, okay, the chorus is there. They're in telepathic communication, which is so interesting. I yes. love the introductions. Why does he have three? Like, I love the introductions yes. of each one. I was like, oh, that's yes. one. That's cool. One is like the one who was wearing
0: like the white beret is the logic and also artistic side.
1: Yeah. The philosopher.
0: Yes. The, and the younger, artist. the younger gentleman is lust and the warrior, which I guess both are kind of just like very emotionally driven. Yeah. Things. He
1: said passion.
0: He's <clears throat> yes. like the essence of passion. Yes. And then the woman is the one that binds all those traits together and kind of like a nice package. you're like, okay. And she's um, harmony.
1: Yes. Yes. She's so glad she was harmony though. I thought, I thought they were going to say she's like nurturing or something <sighs> like very yeah. like, you know, stereotypical woman role. And I was like, here, here we go. She's going to be like, I'm the mother or something. And she didn't, she said, I'm harmony. And I was like, all right. I can get down with that. Yeah. Harmony is very, like, gender neutral. (laughs) I do think
0: think it's so awkward, though, that every time Reva talks to Troy, it's always the lust lust, voice. And I'm like, dude, have a little sense of, like, professionalism. Like, this is not – it's not a – I just wrote awkward, like, in all capital letters because, like, this is really – Like
1: Like, awkward. Allow my penis
0: to speak to you. Like
1: no, (laughs) no, we're not doing that. However, Andre, I have to say, if we had this in real life, (laughs) this would clear up a lot of situations where you're like, oh, that was your penis speaking. Oh, okay. Like I feel like I feel like it could clear up some things. Like kind of reminds me of season one in Naked Now, where there was like the sizzle sound every time the little drunk virus was passed on. You're like, oh, if only we had a sound effect every time a virus was passed on, that would clear up some things. We would know some things, right? I feel the same way. Like sometimes, you know. Um, I am single. Andrea's married. I am single and I'm aloof sometimes to guys intentions. So if their penis was speaking, I would be more aware of what's going on. Like maybe if they're asking to help me with my car issues, it's really their penis or it's really their logic. I don't know. So, so I can you know see what? a benefit g- to that.
0: I guess, I guess that's where I, that would clear up a lot of, a lot of confusion. Lot of I guess you're right. Cause sometimes you don't know if somebody's just being nice or if they're flirting. Right. So I, yeah, if you have like, I am the
1: voice of the penis, <laughs>
0: which we need on a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess, and we would have the same, you know, if we were in his culture and from his Royal line, we would have our own chorus and we would have our person who's the voice of our vagina or whatever. True. And like that, I just feel like oh that, my God. Could, like that would clear, <laughs> blo- especially with, you know, guys thinking you're interested in them because you're just smiling or you're just being friendly. But if your actual vagina could speak, then they would know like, ah, that part's not talking. Like she's not, she's just being nice, you know, like that would clear up a lot of things. <laughs> this conversation
0: has like totally gotten away from us, but. No, it I think just, it's
1: great. This is why I love this episode.
0: It's so fascinating. It is, I, I can't tell you how many times a man has mistaken my friendliness and my like just natural chattiness as being flirtatious. And before I was married, I was always like a natural flirt. I flirted with everyone. You know, it's, it, even if I like wasn't particularly interested in that person, I just had kind of a flirty way of talking to people. But oh my God, there were so many men who were kind of like the nice guys who were like, so I'd like to take you out. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know what? I'm, I'm dating someone or I'm whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were like, bitch, I was being <laughs> nice to you. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I
1: wasn't flirting with you. I was just like, trying to help you with, or whatever. Anyway. And if they could have heard the voice of your vagina, you would not have had that problem because they would have seen that person was very quiet, whatever they were around. And it would have been like, all right. Reading a book. (laughs) Yeah, They (laughs) would have been like, all right, that's not. With with
0: AirPods (laughs) in or something, it's like the international don't bother me, don't speak to me sign. (laughs) All right. I don't know where this is going and I'd like to move away from it. But anyway. Okay. So here's something very, here touches on this arrogance that Reva has. They bring Reva and the chorus to the enterprise they bring him to the bridge, and Picard is doing the introductions. And Picard is like, I'd like to welcome you to the bridge. And as he's saying that, Reva's like, stop. I just want to tell you how what an honor it is to be
1: here. Okay, continue. Now you may continue. It's again a total power play. It's a total power play. I decide when you get to speak, and I decide yeah. when you stop speaking. And you're like, Well, this is my this ship. This is this is my that's what I said. I was like, this is my ship. First of all,
0: don't interrupt people when they're welcoming you. That's extremely rude, especially if you're interrupting somebody to say something that could have been said earlier
1: or later. Like it has no like Not urgency. An mm-hmm. no. <sighs> and later on, they're actually talking in the uh, in the maybe they're in the observation lounge, maybe a conference room. We don't know, but they're talking. <laughs> and then Riva kind of gets up and leaves with his people. And like as Harmony is walking out the door, he's like meeting adjourned. You know, like, again, it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. I'm done talking now, so I'm leaving. Um, it's just very, yeah, he's super arrogant. He's very arrogant and very, just, yeah. I, and arrogance is
0: a characteristic that I find to be such a turnoff. Confident, and I think this is kind of across the board. Confidence is great. Confidence is sexy. Confidence is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Arrogance is not. Um, so Troy is asked by Riva to escort him to his quarters. And only Riva and Troy and Lust- walk Mm -hmm. together and, and Harmony and like the philosopher are kind of awkwardly standing by and records like, well, what about you guys? And they're like, we sort of just are in the way at this point. And I thought, again, this is so yucky. Like, haven't you considered the fact, Reva, that like this woman is here to do her job. You may be charmed by her and be attracted to her, but her duty is like to the ship and to do her job. And you're kind of monopolizing on that. And you're taking advantage of that, quite frankly, like there's no way that she could graciously bow out of having this date with him, walking him to his courts, which it seems like as they kind of get to know each other, she she is drawn into him more. But I just thought, man, you got to feel this out. You don't just go in immediately, like have the chorus member who speaks for your libido to do all the talking for you, specifically when you only speak to this one person. Like that just seems so unprofessional and like uncomfortable to me, I was like, Ugh. I just, I had, I got like chills. I was like, I, because I feel like women have been put in that position so much. I certainly have mm-hmm. where a man will choose to speak to me specifically about like a quote unquote job, but really it's like, he's hitting on me or asking me out. And I'm like, this is fucking gross. Like, and I can't, and it, it, there's really no mechanism for you to politely be like, um, fuck off. Like, I don't want mm-hmm. you to stop touching my shoulders. Stop patting
1: me on the back. Like I'm here to do a job and just let me do that. Yeah. I'm thinking, I mean, when they first meet on the planet, he gets all in Troy's personal space and he's like, wow, you're an empath. And like, you know, I'm so drawn to you and attracted to you or whatever. And she was just like, well, I'm very interested in you as well. So I feel like that was kind of her way of saying like, I am interested in exploring this. Um, So like, it's okay with me. That's kind of how I felt. I feel like she was giving him kind of the green light. Um, The way he did it was very brazen. But that Mm -hmm. kind of makes sense because he's arrogant. Right. So like, why would he, why would, and plus he shares all of his most intimate thoughts with three freaking people who are on speaker at all times. So (laughs) I think his, his version of like impropriety or vulnerability or private versus public is very different. He's very skewed from someone who has their thoughts on the inside only, you know? So Mm. I feel like, I feel like she did kind of give him a green light and I feel like he's not, he doesn't feel awkward at all about like just him and lust. Take it, hitching a ride with Troy to his room or whatever. Whereas all, the rest of us who don't have our emotions on our sleeve would be like, "What? Like, yeah, I guess we, we why are we doing like, this in front of everybody? I get, Ugh. yeah, yeah. It's like my boss is right here. <laughs> yes, and my ex, my yeah. boss, my ex, my coworkers. Like, dude, yes, you know, like is, we don't, yeah, we don't just, you don't know what. But our you're right. But you're right. Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right about
0: that. So, um, they beam down to the planet. And I loved this little like Treknology moment where Reva is saying like, we need a table three-sided, make it look like indigenous rock and, and a handful of torches. And Jordy's like, that should be no problem. And like replicates it and has it beamed down. And I think that is so cool. I was like, God damn it. When do we get to do stuff like that in <laughs> real in the real world? Because I want to like design a bunch of stuff and just redecorate, create a whole house, like my dream house, you know, or whatever. And just like have everything replicated. That'd be so effing cool. So it's a little side note, but I thought, oh, that's cool. And I love seeing Jordy being like, you know, pushes a few buttons and bam, like it's all there. So one delegate, you know, the the delegates arrive and one of
1: them is real trigger happy. Before we get to that part, we did, we did skip this part on the bridge, this conversation between Riva and Jordy that I just want to visit for a second. Oh yes. Yes. Because I thought I, I really love this. I've heard, um, at cons people speaking to Lavar Burton about his impact on their lives. And one of the impacts oh. he's made is being, you know, a black scientist that has like inspired generations of black scientists. I love. And another it. thing though, is that he had a disability on the show that was never ever seen as a disability, just a different ability. Like yes. he was never seen as like, Oh, you're blind. You can't do X, Y, and Z. There was nothing he couldn't do. And in fact, his vision is way better than everybody else's because he can see an infrared. Yes. And we've talked about this before in the show. He can see through stuff. He can see heat waves. <laughs> he can see all kinds of crazy stuff that normal eyes cannot see. And so he has this interaction with Reva where Reva's looking at his visor and he's saying, like, he asks him, Are you resentful? Like, do you re- do you resent this? And then Jordy says, What? Do I resent having to wear a, a visor or do I resent the fact that I'm blind? And Riva says, Both. And Jordy's just like, no, this is who this makes me who I am. And since I really like who I am, there's nothing to resent. And I just thought that was so empowering for everyone who feels different and mm-hmm. feels like their difference is bad or wrong. Just to be like, well, if you really like who you are and that's what makes you who you are, then there's nothing to resent. I just thought that was so powerful.
0: Yes. I, you know, I, I agree with you on that. And I also really like that when Jordy is being asked by Riva, like, would you change this, or do you regret growing up blind? I love that Jordy says it's a part of me, and I really like who I am. And it's really nice to hear, basically, like from the horse's mouth. Like maybe others don't think there's anything wrong with me, but like deep down, like I'm self conscious about my visor. I don't mm-hmm. like it. I wish I wasn't blind. But he's like, mm-hmm. no. I not only am I like comfortable with it, I I embrace it, and I like that about me. And and I've like had some. um. I was recently taking a sign language class virtually during at the start of COVID. Um, And the teacher was, is a woman who was born hearing and became deaf. And somebody asked like, would you want to go back? And she's like, I mean, yes and no, like it, it certainly makes life like easier to be able to hear, but also like I have this special ability and I really love that about myself. And I was like, wow, look at that. It's not just seen as a crutch. Like Mm -hmm. I have to use this to help me get along with everyone else. She's like, no, this is what empowers me. And I, Mm -hmm. and I thought that was actually pretty deep. So I can see that with Jordy too.
1: And I think in the deaf community, which is perfect that it's in this kind of an episode, um, not speaking too much because I'm not a part of the deaf community, but just from what I can imagine being hearing is that mm-hmm. there's a pressure to quote unquote, fix deaf people. Yes, there's, there are options. Sometimes there are cochlear implants for people who can get cochlear implants. And, you know, there are options to become hearing. If you have mm-hmm. lost hearing, um, there are, there are options to become seeing if you have lost sight, there are options that can fix your eyes and stuff, but some things like your optic nerve is just gone. Like that's, mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do about that now. Um, so there is this pressure because, because some types of deafness can be changed into being hearing. There's this mm-hmm. pressure to like, quote unquote, fix you like you're broken. You need to be. Yes. Yeah. And so I can imagine the community for those who are, who are born hearing it with deaf parents or something like that, where you're like, mm-hmm. well, there's a pressure to like be a certain way. Um, and that Jordy doesn't necessarily have. However, he does get that opportunity later on in the episode because now it's the future, you know, it's the 24th century and Pulaski says, I can actually regenerate your optic yes. nerve. Using the um, replicator, I've mm-hmm. I've done it twice, you know, in my whole life, so it's possible. But there, there's going to be all these side effects, and there's no guarantee it's going to work. But you can be changed, yes. you know, quote unquote, fixed. And her thing was saying like, you won't be in as much pain because his visor does cause him pain.
0: Yes, yes, it does. But when she does say like there might be up to a twenty percent reduction in your like ability to see, I love that. Jordy takes the full weight of that option. He's like, mm-hmm. dang, you know, and Pulaski herself, of course, in her fabulous comforting and warm bedside manner was like, why are you even debating this? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the holdup? And he's like, this is kind of part of who I am and like what makes me me. And, um, you know, I think it's really interesting when people take their experiences or they're like, disabilities or different abilities. And, and not just, I think acceptance is like step one. I think embracing Mm -hmm. is like the full thing. So I think I would have a hard time with that. I think if I were Jordy, I would be like, you know, I want to be like everyone
1: else. Um, Yeah. I could see that too. And like his visor gives him cool abilities that other people don't have. Yeah. And he would not, he would lose all of those abilities and have a 20, 20% reduction in his regular sight to where like quote unquote normal eyes are. So I was seeing it as just like major loss. I was like, there's not enough upside on this. Plus it might not even work. And if it doesn't work, then what? Yes. Like, uh, this then is, like this a visor camp. Sound- yeah, exactly. Well, Will his visor still work? I was just like, oh, yeah. oh, no, this does not sound like a good deal. No, it does not. It does
0: not sound like a good deal. I'm really glad that he doesn't end up taking it, but Me we too. do have that like discussion about like those disabilities. We have a deaf person. We have a blind person. Like this is the perfect. T- I love that they talked about it in depth and that's what made this a season two episode and not mm-hmm. season one.
1: Exactly. So,
0: so they go, so they beam down to the planet, you know, and, and that one of the delegates is very trigger happy and shoots and tries to kill Riva. But Riker is very gallant and sort of leaps in the way and pushes Riva out of the way. And so the, the shot ends up hitting the delegates and evaporating them. So they die. So
1: the whole um, chorus is wiped out, which is the very whole sad. chorus.
0: Very bad. So they emergency transport back up to the enterprise while the second delegate from that group was like, no, 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 like he doesn't speak for us and ended up killing the guy who, who did the shooting. I mm-hmm. was like, come back. We need you. Right. But they're they're already beaming away. Um, so back up on the ship, Riva is like having a meltdown, which is understandable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not only is his mission kind of botched, they just got under attack and his like communication, all, all three of them have been killed. His course has been killed. He has no way to talk to people. He is like frustrated signing, like trying to, Mm -hmm. communicate. Um, and I love that data is put in charge of like, Hey, you're a computer, find any kind of gestural language, learn them all and then be the voice. So he ends up learning a ton of sign language and, um, being able to like being sort of the chorus in a way like Mm -hmm. he's able to interpret. Mm -hmm. Um, which was really cool because I saw so many American sign language signs that he was signing, like a bunch of them were different, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of like made they tried up to make like it a gestures. More,
1: yeah. They tried to make it a little more putry, but they had to base exactly. It off Exactly. Exactly. But I was like, Oh my God, I know that sign. I know
0: that. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like I thought that was so cool. Like the, the like ASL American sign language geek in me was like, Oh, oh, oh this is super cool. Like mm-hmm. I actually turned off, um, or I, I muted it. I muted the, that particular passage mm-hmm. when they're in the observation launch. And I just watched it And like, listen to it with my eyes. And I was like, I know what he's saying for the most part. Like I, I could understand about 60% of it. So I was really, really
1: (laughs) like tickled by that anyway. So So now, yeah, that's awesome. And data is being his voice. And so now he can communicate, which is so cool. Like that they have data. Um, and they try to kind of use that. They're like, Reva, you can continue the negotiations because you have data. And he just says like, no, data is only saying he's only translating my words He's not translating my heart, my spirit, my passion, my tonality, all of that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so true, right? Because with yeah. sign, as you know, so if you guys have ever seen people sign like interpret on um, like on TV or something, you might notice that they're making all these facial expressions, like mm-hmm. all these different facial expressions. And you might be like, well, what's that about? What does that have to do with what their hands are doing? But as I was learning in my my brief stint of learning sign is that that is the tonality. That's the, that's the passion. That's yes. the emotional part that you hear in our language. It's demonstrated in facial expressions. And that's something that Data could not do, right? He could just say the words, he could verbatim yes. say exactly what Reva was saying, but he couldn't he couldn't do what the chorus could do, which was really convey the meaning, the deeper meaning, which I thought was like a really interesting distinction.
0: Yes. I yes, that would that's a really good thing to point out because Reva was saying, like, you really need like your whole heart and your soul, like in this negotiating. And Data can't provide that. So yes, if you ever notice somebody signing, look at their facial expressions in their body. Like if you, if you sign, yes, you can, you know, shake your hand up and down. Or if you, somebody is like emphatically saying yes, like they may nod their head. They may like really like exaggerate the sign. Like that's, that's a deaf person's way of like yelling or emphasizing, you know, like mm-hmm. what they're trying to say. So that is, that is really true. So, so counselor Troy has basically been sort of quested with taking on the negotiation. And she goes to Reva to be like, listen, since you're being a bratty asshole and you won't participate anymore or do your job, I now have to do it. And I've never done anything like this before. So I need you to give me sort of like your, your top tips Mm -hmm. because I'm going to go down there and I'm not going to know what I'm going to get into. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: and Reva's like, you can't do that. Like you need to, you need to have all these skills. Like I don't have any magic, but like, here's kind of what I use. I, have to turn a disadvantage into an advantage and Troy's a little heated she's irritated she even has to do this job because this is reva's job and mm-hmm. haven't we all been there when you have to do somebody else's job for them and you're like yeah
1: Ugh. and i wonder so- if troy really was tasked with this or if this was mm. just a reverse psychology because honestly picard is the diplomat he would have been the one having the conversation not troy not anybody yeah, you're else right. on the ship so i just kind of felt like this was a little bit of a like reverse psychology of like Troy, you know, I want you to go down there and convince Riva that we need him, you know? And she's like, okay, Riva, I have to do it now. And you know, you have to tell me how, because he has a little thing for her and she can get yes. in a way no one else can.
0: I guess you're right. She might have, she might just be tricking him into doing his job, but she does. She says, why don't you turn a disadvantage into an advantage? Like you're at a major disadvantage right now, like use it. So it kind of gets to him. And he's like, okay, I've got work to do. So he's being back down to the planet. Riva now asked to be left alone with the delegates. He's like, let's light the torches so they can see that I'm back. And I thought, um, no, because you may be at the top of, first of all, you may be at the top of a hill, but we've seen every angle of that hilltop, you know, from like the shooting that happened earlier. And you're basically like walled in by rocks. So how are they going to see that you're there? How are they going to see the torches? That doesn't make any sense.
1: Last time you were there, you were almost assassinated. Yep. And you were too arrogant. You even admitted yourself. You were too arrogant to really like think about the security precautions. You were telling Riker and Worf, you guys don't need phasers. Like phasers are for losers. They just, they know me. They love me, whatever. You (laughs) lost your three best friends. And now you're going back to that situation. And again, saying, you guys don't need phasers. Just leave me here. It'll all be good. And I just felt like, well, Like, not that we should live in the past, however, maybe you should, maybe you should take a phaser while you wait or something. I don't know. I just felt like that was kind of like, not super wise, but, um, no, whatever. No, but he's, but he's learned and he's grown.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's grown and now he's like smarter and better. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I were Riker and company, I'd be
1: like, "Mm, your choice. See up. That's exactly what they did. I was so surprised. I thought they'd be like, no, like you almost got killed yesterday we're not going to leave you here by yourself. That's going to take months to do. And they were like, you're a grown ass man that you're making this decision. We'll see you later. Call us when
0: you need us to pick you up. Don't this ask, is not our how
1: he's going to call us. We I didn't, know. I didn't see him have a bag with him. Right. <laughs> or a communicator or any replicators or anything. on that planet. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, he had a table and torches and that's a good that's start. All but, you
1: need. So <laughs> he
0: says he's going to teach them how to sign. And as they Learn to communicate with Riva, they are going to learn how to communicate with each other, and that is sort of like the first and most important part of like any kind of negotiation is being able to like truly hear each other. So, okay, that's his plan, and they beam away and they just leave him standing there by that table in this like Mars red rock mm-hmm. blowing dust area. Oh and my I was gosh, like, that oh, set was so right. great! I love that set, it was so cool. I have a but little cool. bit, I have a little bit of information on those planet sets, I don't have where this one exactly was filmed, like probably some soundstage, but they had a specific soundstage for like all the planets that they would visit and they would kind of change it up and whatever. And I was listening to one of the con panels where Jonathan Frakes, who plays Riker, and Patrick Stewart, who plays Picard, obviously, were talking about anytime they had to go to those sets, they called them cat shit planet because they they (laughs) were these like areas that were like dirt and dust and like, I don't know if it was a soundstage on a lot, but like cats would always get in there and just shit all over the place. It was just like a giant litter, it box. So like a they, litter box. It yeah,
1: looks so like a litter box. Yeah, so when they had to like, you know,
0: when they had to crawl on the ground and like do all this, and it's like, it was just like, you're crawling like through cat pee and all. So they called it Cat Shit Planet, which
1: I was so awesome. Hilarious. That's I'm like, that's disgusting. That which so totally gross.
0: changes every time I see them on like an away mission to a dusty, desolate planet. I'm like, the smell of cat urine must be so <laughs> strong.
1: <laughs> which just goes to their professionalism because we never see that on screen. <laughs> nope, nothing. So they, they're, they really sell it anyway. So they leave Riva and Soleus and they're like, see ya. And they just sort of
0: sail off into the sunset. And that's Be-be-be the end of bye. this episode. Yeah. I do not want a where are they now on this one. I don't care.
1: I don't <laughs> He's care. Still on that planet. We know where he is. <laughs> It's still right there. He didn't have any communication. No way to communicate off the planet. He didn't have a replicator. He didn't have a change of clothes. He's his bones are still at that triangle table. We know exactly. Where and he nobody is. ever came to the negotiating table because they never saw the fucking torches. <laughs>
0: He's just still standing there and he's like, you know, about 15 minutes in, he's like, shit, I really should have thought this out more. <laughs> your arrogance, your arrogance just got the better of
1: you, buddy. He died yeah. at that table. Because even if he, <laughs> he had a calm badge, he doesn't speak. So he couldn't use yeah. the badge to like speak. He would need some other kind of thing. And he had nothing. <laughs> he had nothing but his outfit. So I, I don't know. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want to wear are they now on this one either. Yeah. But so yeah, it wasn't my favorite episode just because I think the level of drama was not. At a place that's exciting, which those are usually the episodes where I'm like, Ooh, this is so good. How are they going to get out of this? And oh, you know, definitely. it's not, it's not that kind of episode. The last couple episodes in season two have not been that kind of episode where there's some like no. very clear drama and how are they going to get through this? However, I like it because I think it's so fascinating. The idea of our, the inner parts of ourselves being mm-hmm. expressed externally and how, yeah. how that could really be like how his philosopher side was really separate from his passionate side, which was really separate from his harmonious side, mm-hmm. um, and how he conceives of himself and his communication. I thought that was just a really interesting like concept. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I did like the episode because it talks about
0: <clears throat> being differently abled and being blind and deaf. And As a student of American Sign Language, I'm always so thrilled when I get to see sign language in action and get to understand it. So that was, I really enjoyed it. Um, I probably wouldn't watch, I wouldn't rush to watch this episode again. Cause again, it's like season two so far has been kind of lacking in the, in the drama, but it's going to ramp up. So it's fine. So next week we are talking season two, episode six, the schizoid man. So thank you so
1: much for hanging out with us. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye guys. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at the TNG to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.